Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, January 18. Choose your words with kindness, inviting receptivity and understanding. Think of what you might say that will help others and not merely stimulate them. That's a very interesting um, comparison that Swami makes. You can help others rather than merely stimulate them. I mean, stimulate could go in different ways. Sometimes stimulate is to stimulate them to anger or just stimulate them to more questions and more ideas. Um, I remember Swami was talking about once because he, of course, spent his entire life as a spiritual teacher and his entire adult life. And he talked about um, having spoken at some Ivy League university, some, some university environment, or perhaps it might have even been in India. I'm not sure whether it was in India or America. It makes no difference. It was a, it was a high-level intellectual university. And he gave a talk about spiritual subjects. And he said the, the question and answer sessions afterwards were extremely interesting. He said because the uh, people who were there were highly intelligent, they were very well educated, and they asked many questions that were thoughtful and different than many of his audiences would give. And it was a very lively intellectual give and take. Because, of course, at the university that was how people always talk, a give and take. But afterwards, Swamiji had an interesting realization. He said that for the people he was talking to, they were really, what they enjoyed was the lively intellectual give and take. Whereas what Swamiji was there to present to them was a, a, a revelation of wisdom that would be that would cause an inner realization that would result in a, in a transformation of understanding that the that the intellectual give and take was not an end in itself but it was intended to be a means to an end and he also realized that as he put it most of those young scholars would go home Lick their, word, lick, lick their intellectual wounds, devise new arguments, and come back again the next day to go at it again in the same way. And Swamiji said it's, it's not his. It's, that's not his work. His work is not to persuade. And it was very interesting when I think about Swamiji because he was very, um, he was very uh, expressive when people wanted what he had to say. In the context of Ananda, for example, you know, he could be the host of a gathering and he could, he could hold the whole room, the attention of the whole room, really easily. He could sit at a dinner table and he could hold the attention of the whole dinner table, not dominate it in the sense of not allowing others, but he, he would be the focal point and the energy would flow very beautifully around him. He was very gracious, he was very effective. But if he was in an environment where people didn't want what he had to give, he would just become perfectly happy to be completely silent. It wasn't, he wasn't extroverted in the sense of needing to interact. He was extroverted when the occasion, when the occasion required, and it was helpful to be extroverted. 
And he was introverted when the occasion required, and it was helpful to be introverted. And he would never, he never, that I ever observed, and I, I dare say never, tried to persuade people to the beliefs that he held. He never tried to persuade people to accept the ideas in the sense of trying to, to argue them into it. Now that's quite different than responding. That's quite different than when somebody wants to know something. He did his very best. He did his, his very best to present what he had to say in an attractive and magnetic way. But, he, but if someone resisted what he had to say, he never tried to beat them down with his intellectual ideas. And you know, this is the way many people have, have conversation. Their conversation is debate. I grew up in my family. My older brother was a debater. I lived in, he, we lived in Texas at that time. He actually finished high school in Texas. Two years in a row, he, was, he with his partner, was the state champion debater in the entire state of Texas. I mean, that's a pretty impressive reality. And so I grew up, and I, I, I toyed with debate a little bit, but I, I didn't follow through on it. Um, at all, but I, I, I dropped into it briefly because it was the path he had set before me. But I was, I thought debate was conversation because debate was sort of the way we conversed. You know, one person would present their best arguments and then they'd wait, and then the next person would present their best arguments, and then you would try to dismantle those arguments, and this person would try to, try to reconstruct them again. And it's good mental training, except it's not conversation. But you would think that on the spiritual path, where the message that Swami Kriyananda had to deliver was so important for people's lives, that he would put out that kind of energy to, to, to take down your objections and show you why he was correct. But as I said, he was exactly the opposite. If somebody had resistance to what he had to say, then he would just, you know, he would, he would become introverted. It was just like, you have perfect freedom because it wasn't helpful. It wasn't that he couldn't do it. He was a master debater if he chose to, I mean, which he would show sometimes in a comical way, but he, would, he, he could. It wasn't that he, he couldn't. He said it wasn't helpful to do, you, to do so. It was stimulating. It was stimulating to people to engage in that way. But was it helpful? in the context of what Swamiji was trying to accomplish, which is he was trying to awaken people to their own divine potential. And that's not something you can um, argue people into. You can offer them your perception, you can answer their sincere questions, but if the receptivity isn't there, then there's simply nothing you can do. Just recently, I was in a conversation with a person I'd never met before, who wanted to talk to me, even though I was a little hesitant. And the conversation went exactly as I feared it might, so it wasn't very long, which is, they wanted me to argue with them. <laughs> In other words, they wanted to keep telling me why what I said wasn't going to work for them, and they wanted me to argue them into it. And I just said, I can't do it. You know, I will offer you what I believe to be true, and I will offer it to you as clearly as I can offer it. But if you, if you yourself are not understanding why it's appropriate for you, then it's not my place to try to persuade you. Because it would be stimulating, but sometimes stimulating in a negative, but it would not be helpful. 
So Swamiji talks about that as kindness, inviting receptivity and understanding. And in, in um, let me let me just think about this for a minute. You know, I, I love that phrase, inviting receptivity. Invitation is really a very powerful word. Swami often has talked to us about the entire path is about magnetism. And the and magnetism is the attracting force that's generated by the quality and the quantity of energy that we put out. And so therefore, not all magnetism is positive magnetism. It can be attracting, but not attractive. You know, there are people that you will meet who are very magnetic, but they're not magnetic in an upward-moving direction. They can be magnetic in a downward-moving direction. They can pull you into wrong ways of thinking. They can pull you into sensually-based experiences. They can pull you into uh, frivolous ways of living. They can be very magnetic about it. Master said, whether your thoughts go upward toward God or downward toward the world depends primarily on the company you keep. I mean, that is quite a statement. And he also said, environment is stronger than willpower. When I first heard that, I was 19 years old, and I just rebelled against it. Not stronger than my willpower was what I wanted to say. But in fact, he was right. Because, because we are a field of energy. We, we inhabit a body, but even our physical body is just a field of energy. This is physics. This is also in the Vedas, but this is also physics. And we are an ever-changing field of energy. If we have a, a profound experience today, tomorrow I will be different. Or even if we have a dull day, tomorrow I will be different because of the day that I had. We, were, we are an ever-changing field of energy. And the quality of our energy is profoundly affected by the magnetism that's around us. We spend a day with a very uplifted, happy person, and we come home usually uplifted and happy. I mean, this was the power for me, certainly, of being in Swami Kriyananda's company, which from the time I, I moved to Ananda Village in 1971 was the priority of my life, was to be in his company. Eventually, after 16 years, he had me move to another community where I've been ever since, but I would keep his company inwardly. I, well, that's not a past tense. I keep his company inwardly because his magnetism is God-centered. And his, his magnetism is God-conscious. God realized now. And so when I am in his company, the magnetism that I, I receive from him um, invites receptivity and understanding because I want to have what he has. I remember humorously once Swamiji was uh, sick. He had a, a bad flu. And uh, it was tiresome for him to just lie in bed, but he was incapable of doing more than that. So he had invited a few of us over. He had me read... Uh, I was actually reading the novel called The Robe, which is the story of the life of Jesus. A story based around the life of Jesus. It was the robe was the garment that that Jesus had on that was taken away from him before he was crucified. So it's actually quite a marvelous story. It's an an old fashioned novel, so it doesn't you know race through like novels do nowadays. But it was still was a lovely book, and I was reading that aloud to him, and it was we were all just having a very nice time. And Shivani, who was one of the founding members of Ananda, came into the room. And when she came in, she started to move towards Swami to greet him. 
And Swami said, don't come close to me, I have the flu. And Shivani, without, without hesitating, if you have it, sir, I want it. That's what she said. And it was, she wasn't talking about the flu, and she wasn't talking about disregarding infectious diseases. She was saying that your consciousness is the consciousness that I want to have because you have the magnetism of a, of a dedicated disciple who is searching God. And that's not just the words that you say. It's the whole aura that you put out. And that's why Master said, if you spend your time in, in the company of people whose magnetism is moving in the direction you want, that invites receptivity. And the, the shift in your energy actually gives you understanding. Oftentimes when Swamiji would lecture or give a, 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 a big program somewhere, while he was talking, and I had this happen to me many times, and actually it still happens when I listen to his recordings or watch videos or listen to him sing. While, he is, while I'm listening to the sound of his voice, however it's being expressed, the magnetism of his consciousness changes my magnetism in a positive way because I am very receptive, I am deliberately receptive to his magnetism because of, of decades of experience with him, I want his magnetism, what he has I want. I don't open myself to the magnetism of everyone. In fact, over many years on the spiritual path, I have developed a very strong magnetism of my own, which allows me to, to not be affected by the magnetism of many people around me, or to be able to move. This wasn't true when I was much younger. I was profoundly affected by many things that now I can just walk through. And I, I can hold my own magnetism, and the magnetism of it is not stronger than mine. But I always want to be in the magnetism of Swami. But often while he's talking or while I'm in that magnetism, I understand something. I just know something. And I'll say to Swami, oh, that was such a wonderful talk, and I enjoyed it so much. And he'll say, oh, what did I talk about? <laughs> it's kind of, he does that with a kind of impish look in his eye. Because much of the time you can't even remember. You just, there was such, you had such an insight. But it was an insight of magnetic perception changed consciousness. And then we slip back a little bit. And we can't quite remember it anymore, but it's there. In uh, the path at the end of it, Swami talks about spiritual families. And he talks about how the soul gradually develops the ability to attract and hold spiritual inspiration. And I've always loved the fact that it's two words. We develop the ability to attract it, and then as we grow, we develop the ability to hold it. So we want to always help people. We always want to give them something that will attract them to be receptive to goodness and to understand more. Choose your words with kindness, inviting receptivity and understanding. Think of what you might say that will help others and not merely stimulate them. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.